Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Greyhound Guide with the graduate assistant Cody McCullough as your host. This is a special edition of the show, so if you are a frequent listener, you will realize that this intro is unlike all the others. We are talking with three women in the sport industry today. These women serve in different roles and different organizations, and one of them is an alumni of the UND Sport Management Program. We are happy to have them all on. This was actually an event that we hosted virtually for the students on campus, and we just felt that the information shared here would help people beyond just our students, so we wanted to share it in a podcast format. So I'm going to kick it over to Dr. Vansickle, who will be the moderator for this event, and I hope you enjoy. So the schedule tonight will go like this. We'll start with an introduction of each of our, each of our panelists. Then we're going to have a panel discussion to talk about and discuss the challenges that these ladies have faced as well as their successes. And then we're going to open it up to students via the chat for you to be able to ask some questions. All right, so here we go. Let me introduce our panelists. First, we have Tiffany Alford. Wave to everybody, Tiffany. Tiffany is the Assistant Director for Academic and Membership Affairs for the NCAA. She came to the NCAA National Office in June 2018 as a postgraduate intern in Division III Governance before transitioning to her current role on the NCAA Division III team. Prior to joining the NCAA staff, Tiffany practiced as a procurement law attorney for the federal government. Tiffany is a graduate of Drexel University's Klein School of Law and Wagner College, where she was a member of the women's indoor and outdoor track and field teams. Thank you for being here, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. Allison Jackson, wave Allison. Allison is currently a senior client success manager at SSB, a leading data management and analytics company that works with over 120 professional sport teams, leagues, conferences, college athletic departments, and universities across the United States to use data to drive insightful decisions and maximize business performance. In her current role, she works with the NHL, NBA and NFL teams to manage and align customers' business strategy and objectives with SSB products and maximize the value and revenue teams drive by working with SSB. Prior to her experience at SSB, she worked at the, in the University of Georgia Athletic Department, IMG College in Octagon, selling and managing corporate partnerships big, for big name brands such as Sprint and AT&T. She is a University of, uh, University of Indianapolis alum and also played basketball at UND from 2006 to 2008. Thank you for joining us, Allison. Glad to be here. Jordan Mirable, I, I, I botched it already. Mirably. Sorry, Jordan. That's okay. Mirably. Oh, sorry. Jordan Mirably is currently the Director of Mission, Administration and Culture at Indy 11, where she's been since March 2019. Her main responsibilities include professional development opportunities for staff, managing the internship program, planning and executing staff engagement activities, and working as a project manager. Jordan has a BS in marketing from the WP Carey School of Business at Arizona State University and obtained her, obtained her master's degree in sport business from NYU. She's worked for the Phoenix Suns, Phoenix Mercury, New York Rangers, and USA, USA Football before coming to the Indy 11. Currently, she sits on the board for Sport Circle Indy, who did partner with us on this event. Thank you, Sport Circle Indy. It's a nonprofit that helps connect sports business professionals in the Indianapolis area. 
Jordan grew up playing soccer, volleyball, and softball, and always knew she wanted to work in sports. Thank you again, ladies, for joining us tonight. And just a reminder to our participants, please mute your microphones. So I said previously, only 16% of college athletic directors are women, 5% of S&P 500 businesses are led by women. So in spite of these numbers, each one of you has been able to break through and be successful in the sport business. So please take a few minutes to talk about your journey and how you came to your current position. Tiffany, will you start, please? Yeah, sure. So um, I started off as a student athlete, as, as Dr. Van Sickle mentioned in my bio, um, was ran track, indoor, outdoor, also played basketball growing up, grew up in a family that loved athletics. Um, and I loved athletics, and hence why I'm here now. But I always wanted to be an attorney. And that was something that was like always in the back of my head. And I got to law school and then actually didn't love it that much. But when you're paying to be someplace, you kind of have to finish it out, you know. Um, and so even in law school, I thought about leaving at a, at a certain point and pursuing other ventures. Um, I thought about maybe going back to school, get a master's of education, all kinds of things. Um, and Compliance, athletics compliance was kind of always in the back of my mind because it it made sense, you know. Um, but I ultimately finished law school. I ultimately passed two bar exams, so I'm licensed in two states right now still, um, and practice law because when you have student loans, you have to do things to pay them off. So <laughs> I ended up practicing law for about nine years to have enough money to be able to pay off my student loans from undergrad and grad school. And then when I was done with that, you know, I'd always said once I paid off my student loans, I could do what I really wanted to do in life. And that was get back into athletics. And so interestingly enough, you know, even with all that like legal, legal experience, when I was applying for jobs and compliance, it was, I wasn't getting calls back. Like I wasn't getting called back from anybody. And um, I had heard about the NCA's post-grad intern program and um, I'm older, right? So I'm 36. And so when I was looking to be a post-grad intern, potentially, I was already 33 applying. Uh, and kind of felt a little weird about it because I'm like, well, I'm going to go back and be an intern after having this professional career. But I think when you really want to do something, you have to be willing to take the risk, right? And so for me, this was, I was like, if I'm not getting called back any other way, and this is something I really want to do, I'll kick myself if I don't at least take the shot. And so I applied for the post-grad intern program, was one of 30 people because you only take 30 each year. Um, 30 people who got into the program and I was like, I'll do anything. I'll make copies. I'll get, I don't care what you need me to do. I'll do it. Cause I just was so pumped about the opportunity to get back in athletics. Um, and I was very fortunate. So I started the postgrad intern program in June of 2018 and just was really fortunate that there were some openings in academic and membership affairs doing compliance on our D3 team. And my legal background came into play and made it a little easy for me, easier for me to apply. And my supervisor was like, go do it, go apply. You need to get a job, right? And so I was like, wait, I want to be an intern and learn about sports still. And he's like, go get a job. So I applied and I got the job um, about two months into the internship. And I've been working in academic and membership ever since. So kind of a long roundabout way and, and what looks like some steps backwards first to get forward. But I'm here and, and um, really enjoying my, my opportunity at this moment. Thank you. Hey, Jordan Mirabli, tell us. I was not expecting to go next. I'm very not prepared. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so like Dr. Vansicle said, I started my career in Phoenix. Uh, I was attending Arizona State University and had come back from a study abroad, was in my last semester, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you can feel the same way at some point. 
and I loved sports. I played three of them growing up and thought, oh, I'll just go work for the Phoenix Suns, uh, not really knowing what jobs in sports were. So I worked on a street team for the Phoenix Suns. I drove around a Kia Sorento with a basketball hoop attached to the top. Uh, we went to events and parties and birthday parties and kids literally just threw basketballs at this car and we were completely okay with that. So I worked for the Suns for about four months. Uh, I got a marketing internship with the Phoenix Mercury, which is the WNBA team out there. Uh, so that was the summer right after I graduated. Felt good to have a job. I decided I was going to go to grad school for sports. Um, Phoenix Mercury did incredible that year. We won the championship. Unfortunately, I left to move to New York two weeks before the championship. So I never got my ring and I will forever be bitter about it. Um, but better things were awaiting me. So I went to NYU to get my MS in sports business and uh, ended up working for the New York Rangers. So I was in their community relations department for two years doing fundraising, uh, donations, events, all of those really fun things that are the reason I think a lot of people go into sports and fell in love with working for a team and um, didn't love New York. So when I graduated, it was time to go and moved over to USA football, which is right down the road here in Indianapolis. I worked as an event coordinator there. Um, so we planned, you know, major tournaments, um, seven on sevens, our national conference for coaches. And then after about a year of event planning, I moved to be a project manager so I was basically making sure that my team got things turned in on time, which turned out I'm really good at doing is making sure that other people do their stuff. Um, so after about a year of that, I was ready for a change. I missed working for a team. It was really where my passion was. And so I got lucky and Indy 11 was hiring and I played soccer for 14 years and thought, oh, I'll just apply and throw my hat in the ring. And uh, one month later, I was putting my two weeks notice in. So. I have truly started from the bottom of dr driving a Kia in a son's t-shirt that I still own um, and worked my way up through the ranks and kind of made changes when I felt a change was right and followed my gut to get to where I'm at today. Awesome. Thank you. Allison Jackson, how did you get from UND to Denver, Colorado? Yeah. So I'm a UND alumni. So had Professor Van Sickle just like all of you all. Um, also played basketball at Dr. Mills, who I think is on. Um, but yeah, so I, ever since I started college, I knew that I wanted to work in sports in some form or fashion. I was a student athlete for a couple of years, but re what really interests me was what went on behind the scenes to make events and student athletes successful. So I think it was my junior and senior year, I kind of just jumped into any volunteer opportunity that had to do with sports, whether that was volunteering for Special Olympics, I did an internship with the Indiana Pacers, I did an internship with Matt Donovan over in the athletic department, and ultimately just tried to build up my network. And it ended up working out pretty well for me. Um, so after I graduated, I accepted a year-long internship at University of Georgia. So of course, in Indiana, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. Georgia, it's football, football, football. So that was a very interesting experience. Uh, once that year-long internship was up in the marketing and promotions department, it turned into a full-time role with 
at the time was IMG College. So IMG College manages, manages all the corporate partnerships for quite a few college athletic departments. So I transitioned over to IMG College selling and managing corporate sponsorships for University of Georgia for a couple of years. Um, ultimately with that role, I transitioned to a couple of sports marketing agencies. The first one being Octagon. So at Octagon, I was basically a senior account manager and we were responsible for helping to negotiate contracts with players, leagues, and teams, and then also responsible for putting together the entire marketing plans as well as the activations and seeing those through and really serving as a middleman between the brands and the players, teams, and leagues. Um, after Octagon, it was interesting. I did that for Sprint for a while, and then I jumped to another agency and did it for AT&T. <laughs> um, at that point in my career, I also got my professional MBA. Um, I knew I wanted to continue to work in sports, but wanted to develop more leadership skills to set myself up for future success. Once I wrapped up that MBA program, which was in 2016, I kind of took a step back and I said, you know what, I enjoy what I'm doing, but I really want to look at the niche areas within sports. For me at that time, that was data and analytics. So at that point, I'm like, okay, how can I pivot my path to set myself up to be more in the data analytics side of things and not necessarily one to two years. It was kind of a long-term plan, but more of the three to five years. Um, so I did that, worked a brief stint at a software company and then landed where I'm at today, which I've been at SSB for two and a half years now as a client, a senior client success manager. Outstanding, thank you very, very much. All right, so we're gonna get into the, the meat of the topic, so to speak. There are obviously historical forces that deny women equal opportunity in hiring and in advancement. Those include stereotyping, sexism, the glass ceiling, just as a few examples. Can you speak from your experiences? What barriers have you had to overcome being a female in a basically male-dominated sport world? Do I have a volunteer to start? I can start. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So um, I think some common barriers that I faced often was perception, um, especially working for an NBA team uh, when we were out at events, people, oh, what do you know about the Suns? And it's like, well, nothing, because I've lived here for three years. So sorry, you know, but it was uh, at my own fault at that point. Um, I think something that's become more of a, I don't want to call it a buzzword term, but something that's come up a lot more now is an unconscious bias that people have toward groups of people. And I think that happens a lot in sports with women. Um, something that happened to me personally when I was leaving the Rangers and trying to find a full-time job, I was a final candidate, one of two people left for a position. Um, and I don't want to tell which organization it was because it makes them sound terrible, but essentially they gave the position to the male that had been interviewing because he had previously played the sport. So they felt like he would just know it better. Um, and there, I couldn't argue it, you know, it was, is what it was, but there was no reason any prior playing of the sport mattered in the position I was interviewing for. 
Um, so I think that without realizing it, it happens all the time in organizations. And it's something that I'm constantly up against. And I think Allison and Tiffany will agree that it, it just happens. Um, and people don't even realize that they're, that they're doing it and that they're putting their own barriers up to make other women feel inferior in the workspace. Allison, you're in the um, analytics piece now. Has that been, has there been any perception on your part that because you're a female and, you know, women and math and all those crazy things that you hear people talk about, has that been an issue for you or did you experience issues when you're working with the corporate partnerships? Um, yeah, I kind of have a double bind because I think in the tech industry, it's 29% women, 71% male. Um, I don't know what the statistics are for sports right now, but obviously it's very male dominant. So <laughs> I have the crossover of tech and sports in my role now and kind of have it in the past. I think typically for women in leadership positions, you have the double bind for women, meaning that you must be tough and authoritative like men to be taken seriously, but if it's too much, you can kind of be perceived as the B word if you act too aggressively. Um, so how females show up, meaning how we present ourselves and how we speak up with a voice of confidence and courage is very, very important. Awesome. And Tiffany, yeah. you, you must have um, also other challenges, not only because you're a female, but also because you're a black female. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I would say for me, it's first, I want to piggyback something else and said, because I just yes. thought that was fantastic. You know, I was talking to a colleague today, another female who's on, our, on my team. And I was like, hey, when you think of our work, or when you think about this, where do, where do you think the stereotypes are? What were your challenges coming in? Kind of some of our questions here. And the, one of the first things we both like agreed on was the whole idea of whether you can be assertive and not be viewed as aggressive or whether, and whether you can be fun and not be viewed as either immature or flirty, right? Like women are constantly towing this line of how we show up. We can't, you know, even just the thought of like what you might be wearing to work that day, right? I, I'm sure a lot of men, you know, you worry about being professional, but not to the extent of women, I think, right? From my own experience, how we might question a hairstyle, right? We might question something we're putting on because we don't want to give the wrong impression to someone. And we don't want folks to focus on that external part of us and not think that we're capable and not think that we're smart enough and all of those things. Um, I think in both my legal career and even working in sports now, it's not uncommon for me to be the only black female in on the team, the only black female in the room. Um, and that can, it's like, it can be a benefit at times and it can also be pretty daunting, right? Because it's not uncommon for folks to assume that my viewpoint is the viewpoint of all people of color. Right. And that it's like couldn't be farther from the case, you know, but it's it's while it's less common to see women in authoritative roles or leadership roles in sports and becoming more common. It's even less common to see women of color, you know, um, for Carla Williams to be the first AD of a power five conference. And that happened in 2017. Right. Gloria Navarez to be the first uh, Latina commissioner in 2018. It, it boggles my mind sometimes when we're this into the 20 somethings and still saying the first when it comes to people of color, um, but it, it's not uncommon, you know, and so 
I feel like that's, it's something that I can feel sometimes in the workplace, right? I, I walk into a situation, particularly when I think of some of the things going on in the world right now and how they intersect with work. Um, and it can be kind of heavy, but I also feel privileged in some way to be, to be a face in the room because it would be, I feel like I at least can bring some perspective or some experience some way of feeling that maybe my colleagues aren't experiencing in the same way to make them more sensitive to college athletics, which a lot of times in our major sports, you know, you think of football and basketball, it may be predominantly people who look like me who are playing these sports, right? But people who are making decisions for them may not. So it, it's important to be at the table and to, and to provide some type of representation in that space. No, absolutely, absolutely. So we, you've mentioned a few of the stereotypes that you face. So how do you confront them? Do you just blow it off? Do, I mean, how have you guys managed to um, live with what some of the stereotypes that you've lived with and or overcome through confrontation or what strategies have you used? Tiffany, will you start? Sure. So I think with age in a positive way comes sometimes confidence. You know, um, I think I have, I have, even though I got into working in athletics later in a career compared to some folks, right? Like you all know, right up front, you're in sports management degree program, right? You're like, this is what I want to do. Coming into my this current career, having had a career, I'd already dealt with uncomfortable office interactions, right? This wasn't the first time. And so we have a, there's, there's a person in my office who I think of in particular, who is a man and can be very chauvinistic in <laughs> the way he addresses, you know, some of the women in the office. And when we're interacting with him or when I'm interacting with him, I'm thinking of someone else who interacts with him with me, right? It's always a, this thing of, it feels like he's trying to explain things to us that we know, right? Like I did that research. I'm kind of aware of how this works, right? Like, or this is my space to be the expert and I, I'm capable of being the expert. Um, and, and you find yourself in these, these like kind of dances, right? Where you're like, we're on the middle of a conference call. Do I say something here and address it in front of everyone? Or do I wait till later and maybe shoot him an email or give him a call? And I, I just think I, I've learned through the years in being one, the only black female a lot of times or one of a few women uh, that if you don't speak up, then you're the one who's suffering. Like that other person is going about their day just pretty regular and maybe continuing to work in that way, right? Maybe continuing to speak to other people in that way. And not that you have to be the one who changes it for everyone, but sometimes it takes that first person to speak up and address it and not in a disrespectful manner, right? This person who I'm thinking of is someone who has a higher title than me. So I have to be, I'm not trying to, you know, be disrespectful. I'm not trying to come off as insubordinate, but I also want to make it clear that I am just as capable. I'm just as smart. I've done the research myself as well. Uh, and I'm and I, I'm not going to be put in a space to be felt make to be made to feel like I'm somehow lesser, right? And so it takes you know we we did crucial conversations training at at the NCAA, and I think that's amazing training. It's an amazing book if you haven't read it, and you can use some of those skills to be able to have these tough conversations because it's not going to go away, right? It's, it's these kinds of things don't just go away if they're not at least addressed. And there's just there's ways to address it that feel less threatening to the other person or make you again, as we, as women to walking that tightrope of not wanting to be too aggressive, not wanting to be too emotional, not wanting to be 
we have to juggle all of these things, but at the end of the day, it's still your work environment and you want to thrive and, and be productive in all of the things. So um, yeah, sometimes it, it might take some strategizing ahead of time, but I definitely think addressing things head on and just calling a spade a spade uh, makes it for an easier path moving forward. Yeah, terrific. So Jordan, I saw you shake your head a couple of times. Do you have a, a specific experience that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I think just overall, I deal with a lot of the same things that Tiffany does. Um, working in events previously and being a project manager, coming into my new job, I was a marketing major, uh, I have a master's degree, and sometimes the men who are higher up in the organization try to tell me about marketing and analytics and why we're doing it. And I'm like, I, thanks, yep, mm -hmm. And I try to kindly remind them, you know, um, I'm pretty well aware of what's going on with this kind of stuff and uh, have a degree in it is kind of my favorite go-to when I'm talking to certain people. I'm like, yeah, my degree's in marketing. Just as a reminder. Um, but it's also, and I, I alluded to it a little bit before, especially working for a team, I've experienced it. People just try to come at you if you don't know every single thing about every single player or every single thing about the team. And um, it's so crazy to me because it happens in my work life. And then it also happens like silly example, but my work does a fantasy football league. And unfortunately I am a huge New York Giants fan, tough couple years. But um, one of the guys was like, well, you only like Eli Manning. It's like, okay, well, I've been a New York Giants fan since I was four years old. Um, you know, at my family, we went to the Super Bowl in 2008. Like, I think I'm a little bit more than an Eli Manning fan. And uh, my team is six and one. And my coworker actually came in to apologize for his comment um, a couple of days ago. And I was shocked because it's the first time that I think even in a joking way, someone had acknowledged that they said something that might've been a little bit degrading. And they came and brought it to my attention and was like, I'm sorry for what I said. Like, and even, uh, like I said, it's silly, it's fantasy football, but it still made it feel like at least they noticed, you know, at least they knew that something they said had bothered me or um, that they had said something that was so just ridiculous and outlandish that it kind of backed them up into a corner a little bit. So stereotype wise, I think uh, it's getting better every day. I think when I started back in sports, six or seven years ago, and uh, we were having this conversation before, more doors have opened now than ever, but there's still still those stereotypes that we have to work through every day. Yeah. So I have an interesting question then from um, one of our uh, audience members. So they want to know what you enjoy most about being a female working in sports. So what's what's the fun part about being the lady in the room, so to speak? Allison, do you have a good something to share? The fun part. Yeah. I mean, I think my job is always fun. Um, but being a female in the sports industry, I've always worked in it in some form or fashion. I think the fun part is, as bad as it sounds, whenever a male speaks up and says something and then you come back with an opinion tied to facts. And of course, I work in data. So I tie a lot of my stuff back to data um, and kind of just to Tiffany's point, if you're not speaking up, you're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting the organization as a whole because you're not bringing those diverse 
conversations and opinions to the table to be debated ultimately. So I think that's the funnest part about being a female in sports is men think they know it all when it comes to sports and Jordan and Tiffany, you both alluded to it, but they bring something up and you're like, yeah, but you know what? Based on the facts, based on the data, this is the output. There you go. Nice. And so how's the reaction? Do you usually get a positive reaction or do you find sometimes that you maybe have to say it again? Yeah. Um, it depends on the organization. I've worked with several different leadership teams. Um, my current one is awesome. Um, but yeah, sometimes I do have to rephrase or put it in a different way for the point to really get across to them because obviously you do want to be respectful in your communication, um, but also kind of authoritative as well. Lay down the hammer. <laughs> Fantastic. So piggybacking on what the three of you said, then you talked about a challenge. And so um, Nolan, one of our uh, participants wants to know, so what can men do better? How can men be better allies for women in the workplace, particularly in the sports workplace? Anybody want to tackle that one? Jump in. I'll start if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that men can do is really champion women, right? There's some, there, while we are working to get more women at the table or more women in the room, it's not uncommon for the rooms to be mostly men, right? And for the decision makers to be mostly men, right? That's still what we're seeing a lot of times. And I remember going down to um, the Women Leaders Convention, Women Leaders in College Sports Convention in 2018, that was in Atlanta. And Scott Pioli was there. And Scott Pioli is like an ultimate champion of women, like gave a woman a, a talent scout position on his team way before it was trendy and cool to do so, right? So he he was talking about, you know, when you see someone who's talented, don't, don't you don't have to look at every, I know we all are like competing for the same jobs in theory, right? Like it's this whole this creation of scarcity, this mindset that there's only so many, so we can't, we, we like our elbow in each other out of the way. But there will come a point in your careers where you will be in the position where you can be championing someone else. And maybe you look to the, the female who's sitting next to you or your classmate who you know is really killing it and is looking for an opportunity. And instead of maybe saying, oh, my bro over here, who I really like, we're really cool, like this guy. Maybe you say, you know what, she's, she's kick butt. I've seen her work, you know? You, you manage up to the people who are making those decisions and can say, hey, you know what? I know that I'm the one whose name went on this, but this person over here really helped me, right? Like she really rocked it. Um, and so making sure those people get recognition, making sure women's you know, names are in the room in the positive way, um, because sometimes you will be in those rooms when, when women are not. So yeah, just it's about, I guess, in some ways, putting your own, not your own ego aside, because I don't think it's necessarily an ego thing, but just recognizing the privilege that you have as men in this field and using your powers of privilege for good in this space. And Jordan, so you have some history with USA football. Football's like notoriously a male sport right now. You're with the Indy 11, the men's soccer team. What advice do you have for the men in the room? I think the best piece of advice uh, I can give the men in the room is to call out behavior when you see it. Um, it's really hard for us to call it out. As you've heard from Tiffany and Allison, we don't get taken seriously all the time and it's hard to kind of swallow your pride and, you know, take a backseat to good research you've presented or 
an idea that you have and have someone just kind of shrug it off. So if you're ever in a room and say there's only one woman or maybe two and someone says something, call them out. It's easier for you guys to do it to each other than it is for us to do it. Um, and I wish, especially in my earlier internships, that someone would have done that for me because it's really hard, especially not only as a woman, but as an intern and especially as entry level and things like that, you don't have the confidence that Tiffany and Allison were talking about to speak up and to stand up for yourself. So I would just be on the lookout for that because you don't want any toxic behavior in your workplace. And that kind of stuff can whittle down and really hurt someone and then boil up and make everything worse. So Allison, you talked about coming back with the statistics that you know, sometimes even in situations where you knew you had to stand up for yourself. Was that something that you learned on your own? Was that something that somebody modeled for you? Was that something that maybe a man in the room, right, stood up for you like Jordan's talk about? Like, where did that come from and, and what suggestions do you have? Not necessarily. I feel like it's just not in my work life, but in life life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just very, I like to have data to back up my thoughts and facts. Um, but more so when I'm going into meetings with leadership and I know that it's a topic that they're probably going to debate with me on, which happens quite a bit, um, which again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I just like to have some numbers behind <laughs> before I give my input. So you've obviously seen that to be to be important as well, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not you're you're showing that it's not just an opinion, right? But yeah. and that you that you know your stuff that way. So I'm going to yeah. ask one other question, and I'm going to go off script on you guys again. So talk about then was there? Have you had a mentor along the way? Like has this helped you through this, male or female? That doesn't matter. But has there been somebody that that's really helped you? Because Jordan, you mentioned it being earlier in your career. Sometimes it's hard to. To, to stand up and say, maybe you don't feel like you can say to somebody who's ahead of you. So have you had a mentor? And if so, how have they helped you? Anybody? Yeah, I can start. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a current mentor. Um, met her at USA Football. She was my first boss. Her name is Beth Pareka. She is hands down one of the most amazing women I've ever met in my life worked at Disney, worked at U.S. Lacrosse, uh, director of events, just all around amazing. And she, in my first full-time job, really kind of took me under her wing and was like, here's good things to do when you're in a meeting and here's the right time to speak up and all of this. And, you know, when I was getting bored in my event coordinator job, she said, here's this other job I think you should look into. And She's always been kind of one step ahead of me in terms of my own life planning. So that's kind of nice to have someone there like that to say, here's the path I know you want to be on and here's steps that will help you get there. Um, and she's definitely that person for me. So if you guys do not meet or have never met her, highly recommend. She is incredible. Um, she's also currently battling metastatic breast cancer and still works every single day and just absolutely crushes it. So um, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn and tell her I sent you because everyone should know who Beth is. She's amazing. Outstanding. Um, Tiffany, Allison, do you want to jump in? Yeah, uh, I definitely have female mentors. And then I'd say I have 
female sponsors, and I'll dive into the difference here in a minute, um, both within the sports industry and outside the sports industry. But I think one really good key piece of advice that one of my mentors shared early on is there's really two types of currency, one being performance currency and one being relationship currency within your work. So performance currency, this is currency of delivering what was asked of you and a little bit extra. So every time that you deliver above expectations, you generate performance currency, basically. And then relationship currency is basically generated by the investments that you make in people in your environment. So it's important that you invest the time to connect, engage, and get to know the people around you. And then from there, identify a sponsor. Um, Your sponsor within the organization can be male or female, but characteristics of a sponsor you should look for are, number one, they need to have a seat at the decision-making table. Number two, they need to have exposure to your work. And number three, they need to have some power. So the sponsor is really your internal champion. And then your mentor is the one that you may not necessarily work with day to day, or they have exposure to your work, but just that person that you can go to, to ask to ask for advice. That's terrific. That's terrific advice. Thank you, Allison. So I have a question from uh, Selena. It looks like they want to, Selena wants to know, as women, have you ever been disregarded or not praised for work that you've done by a male coworker or superior? And if so, how did you handle that? So, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing that happens sometimes where you like really bust your butt and you know you busted you and you're like, this work is like on point, right? Like there's no way that they're just going to accept this and then just let me go on. And then sometimes they accept this and then just let you go on, right? Or you do really good work and then somebody else swoops in at the last moment and is like, hey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take credit for this because I did like the last dot of the I and the cross of the T, right? Um, I, one of the things I think it, I would recommend everybody do when you're doing work generally um, is keep track of it. Keep notes. Like when performance time comes around, you have all the receipts that you need to say, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And when you're able to, in the moment, it feels really, um, when you're disregarded or somebody doesn't praise your work, in the moment, it can feel really crushing, particularly when you work really hard on something, right? And you're like, man, I know I killed it, and I don't understand why they're not giving me that recognition. But just keep, keep, just keep your own receipts. Like, seriously, keep your own receipts and be ready to show those receipts when the time comes for new positions, when the time comes for raises, when your performance reviews are being done. And I, I feel like one of the things is if, if you find yourself in a position where you're constantly not being recognized for your work, and then you have your receipts, it makes it a little easier when you're looking to then move on, right? You can, you have like your own, it, it's not just like this, oh, I'm not cutting it here. You, you've got some reason behind it. It's like, hey, I'm doing all these things. I'm not getting credit for it, or I'm not getting any recognition. I also think the other part of that too is you have to be able to recognize yourself because you're not always going to get patted on the back for everything that you do that's in your job description. You know, it goes back to what Allison said about doing the things, you know, having your, um, how did you say it, performance currency. When you're going above and beyond, people are not going to praise you for doing the work you're supposed to do. If that's what you're thinking of, get out of that mindset because it's, they're like, this is what your, your job description said you need to do these things. So why am I patting you on the back for that? But when you go above and beyond, 
definitely keep track of that. I had a, I was on the, a call with a woman um, recently who just said, you know, she's, she just took over position um, at a conference office and they added like compliance responsibilities when that wasn't supposed to be a part of her original role. And she was like, you know what I did? I was like, I don't want you to adjust my job description now. I'm going to put that in my other duties as a sign and it's going to show that I'm going above and beyond. So then when it was time for her to negotiate a pay raise, she could say, look, this is all the extra stuff that you asked of me. And this is why I deserve to get paid more money or this is why I deserve to have a better title than what I currently have. So just understand you may not get all the praise that you want in the moment, but if you keep working hard, if you keep your own receipts, if you have that sponsor, your mentor who's keeping track of the things that you're doing, it may not need to come from that person. It can come from someone else who can help you on your next thing. That's terrific. So for all of you then, so looking back now, is there anything you would have done differently in your career path? Like something you're like, oh, if I would have only known that back then, I would have blank. Allison, do you have a, do you have a response to that? I don't, honestly. I've good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you would have asked me when I graduated from UND where I was gonna be in five years, it's not where I'm at now. If you would have asked me three years ago where I was going to be in five years, it's not where I'm at now. So I think the key to that is I think you need to, it's important to have a plan in place, but it's also okay to pivot. So for example, when I graduated from University of Indianapolis, I'm not going to show my age, multiple years ago, um, data and analytics wasn't even a thing in the sports industry. And it really wasn't until five years ago. So I basically was on the corporate partnership path. And obviously data analytics plays a lot into that now. But I had the flexibility to pivot. And I think that's really important within the sports industry because you're, it's not unusual to bounce around uh, quite a bit in sports, right? If you love it, like, yeah, you'll move the cr across country to be a ticket sales rep for your first job and hardly get paid anything. And then you get an offer from the New England Patriots and you move across the country to go live in New England. Um, if you love it, I mean, you'll pretty much do whatever it takes. Outstanding. Jordan, how about you? Is there something you look back on and say, man, I wish I would have done that differently, or you're kind of on the same path as Allison. Uh, I'm definitely on the same path as Allison. I thought about this question a lot, um, and there's no way I'd be where I am today without going through all of those steps first. So moving from across the country, from Phoenix to New York, and then ending up in Indy. Um, had you asked me when I left Arizona State where I thought I'd be in five years, the answer was not Indiana. Um, so it's, it's fluid and you're right. People in sports jump around all the time, but, um, I love that I got to start in the NBA and WNBA. I think that that set me up for success because to see the difference in the money that is spent on an NBA team versus a WNBA team, and then to go and see the difference for an NHL team, um, and now to work for a USL championship team is a lot different and I would never want to do it any other way. And I really don't think that there's a wrong path to take in sports because um, any way that you want to get to where you're going is the right way. 
That's terrific. Hey, Tiffany, Maggie Bergen has a question for you specifically. Yes, she wants to know, how was it transitioning from being an intern for two months with the NCAA to going to a full-time position? Was it a challenge or did your prior experience in practicing law help you feel prepared? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I definitely had an a leg up on interns who were coming right in from undergrad, right? Because some of them had never worked before and this was their first kind of like working experience. Um, and so I already felt comfortable definitely doing work, right? Like I, I had practiced law, I had been in an office environment, all of those things. Um, I think the, the challenge for me was, even though I did compliance kind of related work with the government, you're coming in and learning brand new bylaws, right? Like I am in the, for I know UND, uh, is in the red manual and you know d3 is the green manual right so it's like you're trying to like what are these bylaws and we would be in team meetings sometimes and even though my because i saw another question in here about like how my law degree helps and so when you're processing interps and waivers having a jd your, your mind already kind of thinks like that you already think in that kind of like legal how am i going to respond to this interpretation and how am i going to cite this bylaw like my brain already kind of does that but when it's a whole new set of rules and you're in team meetings and the speed of things, right? I started in AMA in September. That's the beginning of a semester. That's when people are like, all the questions are coming in. People got like, it's churning. And I'm like sitting there in our team meetings and we sit at this big circle table when we're in person, like pre-COVID times and people are just throwing out cases. And when you're new and you don't even, you're like trying to, what bylaw are we in? Like, where are we in the manual? So I think even having my experience, that was a transition that I was like not necessarily completely prepared for. And I, you know, you find yourself throwing out a lot of opinions without fact at that point, right? Like opposite of what Alan said, Allison said, I didn't have any data because I didn't even know where I was, you know what I mean? But you, you get your feet pretty quickly because particularly at that time, I had to, we have a pretty small team and it was like, all right, I'm drinking from the, from the fire hydrant, but we got to make this work. So I definitely think I had a little bit of a leg up because I had previous work experience, but compliance looks different no matter where you are and your bylaws and rules are different no matter where you are. So I'm still figuring it out two years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. I'll ask your boss about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, um, so for all of you, and I'd like for all of you to answer this question. So what advice would you give, particularly to young women that want to build a career in sports? And Jordan, will you start I'd love to. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice would be to be confident and speak up. Um, two things that I was not good at at the start of my career. I second guessed myself all the time. Um, I was never really sure if my idea was good enough and your idea is probably good enough, uh, at least to be heard, right? So everyone deserves to have a voice and everyone should be heard at the table, regardless of title, regardless of gender, regardless of race, age, whatever it is, just when you're ready and you have a formulated idea, be confident in yourself, uh, in your abilities, in your ideas, and speak up when, when you're ready to do so. Thanks, Jordan. Allison? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice would be, imagine where you want to be in 10 years and find somebody who's in that role or similar role and try to connect with them. Um, it can be easier said than done. Um, 
you can do it at conferences, you can do it via LinkedIn, you can do it through mutual connections. But whenever you do get that meeting with that person, you have to leave an impression on them because they probably have tons of people reaching out to them. So in that meeting, ask not only for their help, but ask what you can do for them. And I think that question goes a long way um, for a long time. Terrific. Tiffany? I, I actually loved what Jordan and Allison said. I thought that was great, particularly the confidence piece, because I think as women, we tend to shy away or we tend to think that we're not good enough. We, I think the thing I would say is be daring and be persistent, right? I, in particular, when you're thinking about a job and, you know, like you, so you did what Allison said and you went and you talked to somebody who's where you want to be. Women have this tendency, we'll look at a job description, we'll see one or two things that we don't have and we're like, oh, I can't apply for this. Oh, I'm not qualified. You know, I remember looking at a job description for an attorney position with an MBA team years ago and there was like just one or two things and I was like, ah, I don't think they'll take me seriously. And so I didn't apply. Right. And I'm not going to, I'm not a man, but I know men do not do that, right? <laughs> Men'll be like, I will figure it out. I will make it work, right? As a woman, just be daring, take the risk, put your, what's the worst that can happen? You put your, your, your name in, you put your application in and someone says, no, that's the worst. That, you're no worse off at that point. At least, you know, at least you've taken that chance and then be persistent because you may hear no one or two times before you get to your yes. You may have to drive the Kia first, even though what you really want to be doing is rocking it in marketing, like internally, like just be persistent, be willing to take the risk, um, definitely be willing to take the risk. And I speak as someone who left a stable career to go be an intern, like you just never know what your path's going to be. So be daring, be persistent and take the risk. Outstanding. So Jordan, I'm going to go to one of our questions here and I'm going to ask you to start because of your work with now with the Indy 11, they're asking about internships. And asking about advice for somebody who might be struggling to find an internship or, and so I'm going to ask all of you to address this because there are two parts to the question, struggling to find an internship or maybe just don't know exactly what they want to do. So Jordan, can you, especially because of your work, can you speak to the internship part? Of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I handle our entire internship program for Indy 11. So I'd like to think I'm well-versed in this. Um, I would say to one, make sure that your resume is eye-catching. Um, the worst thing that I go through is opening a Word document. So also please make sure your resume is in PDF format, uh, is opening a Word document that is different on my computer. There's a font I don't have. It drives me insane. It makes me not even want to look at it, which I know sounds really petty and rude, but I have to go through so many resumes a day. It just makes it so much easier if it's, you know, open a browser and there it is. Um, and the other thing I would say is if you're not sure what you want to apply for, um, or you're struggling to find something, apply for everything. Um, I applied for, and I wish I was kidding, probably 18 internships, uh, my last semester of college, and I got one of them. So it only takes one yes. So if you don't know what you want to do, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, started in marketing, moved to events, moved to community relations. Now I'm in administration. Um, you never know what a path could set you on. You could start and be like, well, I think I'm really good at selling. I'll go into ticket sales. And from ticket sales, it turns out you love hospitality and corporate partnerships, but you're never going to know until you try. So I would say regardless of what your previous experience is, um, regardless of what you think you want to do, 
just throw your hat in the ring because it'll be worth it. And you'll find something or you'll meet someone that can point you in the right direction. Outstanding. So Allison, it's been a long time since you did an internship, so you don't have to answer I know. that question. <laughs> but and, no, and I you, yeah, well, I'm sure yeah. you do. So no, if you'd like to speak to that. Honestly, a, a tremendous sports city. There's so many opportunities for people who want to work in sports management. And I think one thing that University of Indianapolis and Dr. Van Sickle did with the sports management program is introduced me to quite a bit. I mean, we had Joni Comstock come in. We had Peter Dinwiddie come in. Multiple people from several different organizations. And Peter Dinwiddie came in and I'm like, hey, Peter, I'm interested in an internship. You know, it didn't happen right away, but I stayed in contact with them and Two years later, he transitioned out of the role, but I still had that contact and got my first paid internship with the Indiana Pacers. So take advantage of that. Take advantage of Dr. Van Sickle and the people that she knows and the people that come to speak to you in your classes and just be eager. Um, but same as Jordan, I had no idea what I wanted to do within sports. There's several different options. So apply, 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 connect, connect, connect. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank you for that shout out too. I really appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. You can use me, abuse me. We will help you. Your <laughs> faculty members will help you. All right. We will do our best to help you. All right. So uh, Tiffany, here's another question. I'm going to direct this to you. What are the skills that can differentiate yourself and help you become successful in the sport industry. And I'll let Jordan and Allison think about that for a minute and jump in. Oh, you. I man, know I'm putting you I'm on the- ready to jump on the other question. Now you give me a new one. What's the- Oh no, wait, wait, you can go ahead. Answer no, that one first no, if you'd I'm like. Just, I don't, I'm I don't just want, giving you a hard time. I don't want to take away time. your great advice now. Come on, I know you've got some. I, I just was, well, with internships, I was just going to say, if, if you're having a hard time getting one that pays, and I know everybody, being very respectful of the fact that everyone is not in a position to do things for free, right? Like folks need to work. Not, I think it's a privilege to do an unpaid internship. However, I, specifically in this virtual space, I think you can take advantage kind of as Allison said with networking and meeting people, take advantage of 15 minute meetings with folks to just kind of get on their calendar. If someone does anything remotely close to something you think you need to do, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do in sports and I'm in it right now, right? So I, I'm now like, oh, well, who can I talk to? What, who's in my office that did something really cool that maybe I would want to do at some point in my life? And just put 15 minutes and be respectful of someone's 15 minutes. Like, don't say I need 15 minutes to talk. And then 40 minutes later, you're like, oh, wait, wait, but I have one more question. Like, be really respectful of people's time, follow up with them, keep it, you know, that's how you start to build your network. But on top of, so I'll go to your other question because you, I like the way you split that in there for me. But I think skills that you just need are one, authenticity is, it shouldn't be a skill, but it kind of is, right? To be able to come to work your full self and like truly who you are is something you don't always see. And when you don't do that, then you have to like play this role your entire like working career, right? If you if you show up as someone who you aren't, then people will always expect that of you. So I think show up as who you are and be hardworking, be willing to do what it takes. And sometimes that may be working a little bit late um, or a little bit later than you wanted to, but if it's important to you and it's something that you're like, I really wanna do well on this, don't skimp on the time, right? It's like the sacrifices that you're making at this stage or early on in your career are the things that get you to the places that Jordan or Jordan is in or Allison's in, right? Like they didn't just like wake up and were there. They worked hard. They 
networked. They busted their butt. They were willing to do the grunt work to then be able to do the really glamorous work, right? You can't roll out of bed and expect that. Oh, I just graduated and got my degree and now you're going to give me the shiny toy. Like that, that's usually not how it works. Some people have that fortune, but a lot of us don't. So just be willing to work hard, be dependable. It's so important to like follow through with things you say you do. And if you think you're going to be late with something, tell somebody up front, like don't wait till it's due and then be like, oh, by the way, I'm not finished. Like give someone a heads up. Hey, I thought I would get this done by this time. Is it okay if I extend this timeline? Like that builds like trust in a relationship with that person. And then you end up getting like more important things to do because they know that they can rely on you to get it done. So be dependable, be hardworking, be trustworthy and authentic. Outstanding. So we got about three more minutes. Time has just run quickly. So uh, Jordan, you work with a lot of interns. What makes an intern stand out? Like how do they differentiate, differentiate themselves to be that person you guys want to keep around? I think a willingness to do absolutely anything is the most overlooked quality in an intern um, and honestly in a full-time staff. There are times where I still have to drive our team van um, and I, you, know, you just do it. Uh, someone needs your help, you just do it. So for our interns, a willingness to just go above and beyond, to volunteer for everything. If we have an event on a Saturday um, or Food Truck Friday pre-COVID, um, and you have time, volunteer, do it, go, because it's going to make your supervisor notice, it's going to make me notice, um, and it's just really helpful, uh, especially for us, we're a staff of 25 full-time staff. Our interns help us out a lot, so the, it, the ability to be able to lean on somebody constantly is an overlooked quality, and I will say that our internship deadline for the spring is November 15th. You can apply online at indie11.com backslash careers. And I have that information if anybody wants to reach out to me and we can make sure you get it. Allison, last word is yours. So how do you differentiate yourself, whether you're an intern or a full-time employee, what advice do you have? Man, that's a good one. Um, I think Jordan gave great advice to be an intern. <laughs> um, be willing to do anything and everything. Um, back in my day, I didn't get paid for any of it. I, is that illegal now? I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, we'll let Tiffany answer that part. Go get her, like, get yourself out there as an intern. Um, and then in my role today, I would say there's a lot of skills that go into be successful delivering under pressure, um, communication and teamwork. You can't be successful by yourself. Don't be afraid to lead on others and be a support system for others as well. Outstanding. Why, well, thank you ladies so much for your time. The, the things that you've said and the advice that you've given has been fantastic. And I, I think and hope that our students will take this, this to heart. Um, we appreciate who you are and who you've become and the leadership that you're showing in your industries. And again, the time that you've taken for our students. So thank you for everyone for attending. Again, a special thanks to Cody, Cody McCulloch, who put this all together and made this happen, and to the university event staff who also have helped us put this event together. We thank you, everybody, for attending and wish everyone the best of luck and please stay safe and healthy during these COVID times. Thank you. Thanks, thank everybody. you everyone.